Our text today is in the book of Psalms. We're looking at Psalm 138 for our text today. Psalm 138. We've been doing our summer series through the book of Psalms, and this should nearly bring it to an end. Psalm 138 for our text today, as we've been doing from the book of Psalms a collection. We've been looking through the book of Psalms, and we do know it was a Jewish hymn book. And although the music has been lost, you need to understand originally these words would be sung and not read. Running during the 1970s, there was a movement to add to the Psalms musical scores. The movement didn't last long. Bad music never does. <laughs> and nobody makes a classic out of poorly written music. But music is a very powerful thing. It has the ability to enter your brain in a different way and help you to learn things. We've got children's classes over in the driveway on Tuesday night, and they have a song, and they sing the books of the Bible. And you'll hear kids five years old, six, seven years old, singing all the books of the Bible right off the top of their head. Of course, adults try to memorize the books of the Bible. They find it very difficult. Uh, and the kids, it's easy. All you got to do is set it to music, and they've learned it. So I have seen the power of music, and I have seen it in a very graphic way. When my mother was in a nursing home, I used to go and visit her on my lunch hours. And in the beginning, when she could still walk, I would walk around the halls with her, and we'd do about five laps every visit. So I did those walks hundreds of times, memorized the names on the door and the faces of the people, nodded hello, said, how are you to the folk as I passed by. But on the opposite end of the building, there was a lady who sat in a recliner sort of chair, and she stared off into space. She never spoke, never focused on you as you passed by. When the workers moved her into a chair or into her bed, she screamed like she was in pain. I don't think that she was in pain. I do think she had no idea of what was going on around her. So she screamed in confusion. And uh, day after day, I passed by her as she silently stared off into space. Well, it happened on a Christmas Eve. I went to visit mom, bearing gifts for the workers there, and everyone was in a very festive mood. As I started my walk with mom, they began to play Christmas carols over the loudspeaker. And after a while, they began to play that best and most classic of all Christmas carols, Silent Night. And as I was walking down the hall, coming to the end, I looked at the silent lady and she was staring at me, something she'd never done. I made eye contact, and I was getting close to her, and I could see she was looking very intently at me. So I stopped, and I looked at her, and suddenly she spoke just one word. She said, Christmas? And I said, yes, yes, it's Christmas. Merry Christmas to you. Yes, it's Christmas time. Merry Christmas. Somewhere in that dark cloud, 
which was her normal condition. The music penetrated the darkness, and the clouds rolled back, and she woke up, awakened by the music. Silent night, holy night, all is calm, all is bright. And using all her powers, she asked the one-word question, Christmas? One word, one time, never to be repeated. They say music travels into your mind on a different path through your brain, and its power was manifest by this poor woman's question. Focus, eye contact, speech, questions, all brought about by the power of music to reach into people's minds. Now, music is a very powerful thing. In our text today, David is inspired to sing. And as he burst into song, I believe he intends to add power to his message by singing it. He wants to penetrate the mind of his listeners in a more intense way, like the old woman in Silent Night. And he hopes to wake up something inside, penetrate the darkness, and rolling back the clouds. Now the source of David's inspiration for Psalm 138 is very, very unusual. It's even surprising. So let's see what has moved David to write this psalm in this particular psalm, Psalm 138. We begin reading at the first verse, Psalm 138, verse 1. I will praise thee with my whole heart before the gods. I will sing praise unto thee. Remember now, David is singing. He's not reading it. He's singing. And he says, I'm really going to sing this song loud and clear. The music is fortissimo, strong and forceful. I'm going to sing this song, he says, with all my heart. So are you ready? He said, ready to sing? Come on, sing. Come on, sing. And then he says, before the gods will I sing praise unto thee. Your first impression to this comment might be, hey, there's only one God. So why is David singing before the gods What's he talking about? There are no other gods. There's only one. Well, let's stop and think. In David's time, there actually were a lot of different gods, not real gods, but gods that were formed out of man's mind. Twisted ideas, wrong opinions and misconceptions, and people made up their own gods. Many places in Israel... You might be walking down a road and look up on a hill and you'll see a little altar with someone burning incense to a god named Astaroth, the god of the moon, in hopes that Astaroth would bless this year's crops. Or you might see another altar built to Baal, the god of the sun, 
If you go farther down the road along the edge of Israel's borders, you come to Philistine country. And the Philistines had a god named Dagon. And they decided that their god Dagon was half man and half fish. My question always is, which is half? Which is half? Which half is what? That's always my question. Which was half was man and which half was fish? Dagon had the body of a man and the head of a fish. Wouldn't you know it? They wanted a fish head with a brain this big. If your God has a fish brain, you can tell him what to do. And that is the way of the human condition. If you make a God, you make sure you can control him. So Baal and Ashtaroth and Dagon and many other false gods made up by man's misconception of who God really is. And David is inspired by these gods. You say, what? That can't be right. How is David inspired by false gods? Listen, David looks at somebody burning incense to Ashtaroth and he says, really? Are you kidding me? Are you really going to burn incense to the moon? David looks at old Dagon, half man, half fish. He says, you can't be serious. He is inspired by contempt. These poor pitiful excuses for God. They're contemptible. He says, I despise everything about them. So I'm going to start singing with all my heart, real loud and clear, to praise the real God while you're up there fooling around with the false gods. I'm going to sing out the praise of Jehovah, God Almighty, and hope that I can penetrate the darkness of your mind that embraces such foolishness. You might say to me, Eric, nobody worships Dagon anymore. No one has idols anymore. Be careful what you say. Misconceptions, twisted ideas, wrong opinions about God. Oh yes, our world is full of that. In our world, we need to sing loud, my friends. Praise God and point out to others that we believe in God and we want you to know about God. So we sing louder. (laughs) Hopes that you will hear and understand. Verse 2. I will worship towards thy holy temple. Praise thy name for thy loving kindness and for thy truth. For thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name. So he says, I'm going to go to the temple and sing and worship God. And we ask, well, why go there? Because that's what God decided to have them do. Join together with God's people and worship together and do it at the temple in God's house. That's what God said to do, so David says, that's what I'm going to do. And you can ask this question, why did God do that anyway? Why did God say that uh, you have to go to the temple and only worship in one place? Why couldn't they just worship anywhere they felt like? The old rules were meant to be a shadow of things to come. So how does it work now? Can't we worship anywhere we meet? 
Well, there is still a limitation. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. Only Jesus. He's the only way. Jesus said, I am the way. There's no other way for you to get to God. Jesus said, I am the door. Only one door, not two, not ten, only one. Jesus said, I'm the living water. There's no other well. There is no other fountain. Only one source. One of the great misconceptions about God, even in our time, especially maybe in our time, is that there's many roads and you can get to God on any one of them. Oh no, my friends, it is exclusive. In David's time, you went to the temple. In our time, you go to Jesus and you gather in his name and there is no other way to get to God. And then says David, I'm going to praise thy name for thy loving kindness. And then he does it. He sings it right out. He sings it real loud. Thy loving kindness is better than life. Why sing that? Because one of the most common misconceptions about God is that he's mean and cruel and hard to get along with. God is narrow-minded and difficult to be with. So David sings it out. My God is kind. He's so good and kind. He's loving. He's easy to be with. And he also sings, and he has truth. When Jesus came walking into this world, there were people like John, his disciple, who walked with him and traveled and ate, talked with him, sat with him. And John says, we knew him. We touched him. We touched him. And we walked and talked and ate and slept with him. And we were eyewitnesses. And if I could explain what it was like, what he was like, here's what I would say about Jesus. He was full of grace and truth. Grace, a kindness, a pleasant spirit, loving, tender-hearted. And then he said, I would say he was full of truth. Every time he opened his mouth, we learned more and more. We learned from a farmer sowing some seed. We learn from a shepherd washing some sheep. We learn from the birds flying in the sky. We learn from the flowers of the field. Jesus was full of truth. So I'm going to sing about it. Let's add it to your song and teach people just who God really is. And then again, he puts in one more phrase. Thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name. God magnified made it seem larger and larger, more and more important, his word. He made it extremely important. It is absolutely vital that you read God's word. Why? In order to get to know God better. You can look at creation and learn things about God. Look at a mountain or watch a hurricane Feel the heat of the sun. Go to the mighty Niagara and see it go, and you can see that God is very powerful. Or look at the birds, and look at these flowers and trees and animals. You can see that God is very creative. 
but you need to know more than that about God. More than that about how life works. There's a story that goes way back to old England. The lords and nobles were meeting in an old castle there one night. They were discussing the topic, should we allow missionaries to come to England? And during the discussion, a bird flew in through an open window. He flew around the room a couple of times, and he flew back out the window. One of the old men stood up, and he said, you know, folks, we're like that bird. We come out of the darkness. We fly around for just a short time, and then we leave, go back into the darkness. We don't know where we came from, and we don't know where we're going. And they tell us the missionary know the answers to those questions, so I vote to have them come and tell us what we don't know. My friends, the four great questions of life are this. Where did we come from? Who are we? Why are we here? And where are we going? The Bible has the answers to that. Where do we come from? God made us. Who are we? People made in God's image. Why are we here? We have been created to please God. And where are we going? The Bible explains what happens when we die. So God has exalted his word, filled it with truth, made it the most important thing for us to look at and grasp, and from it we know how to be forgiven, how to be born again. We know how to escape death. We know how to live forever. We know how to get to heaven. We know how to please God. We know how to do God's will. We know how to live. We know how to die. We know who we are, and we know why we're here. That's why we sing with all our hearts. <laughs> so much to know. All given to us by a loving God who wants what's best for us. Given to us in his word, the Bible. But there's more proof than that about God being who he is. Verse number three. In the day when I cry, thou answerest me. Strengthen me with strength. In my soul. Here's proof that God is real. David says, I pray to him and he answers my prayer. He responds to me. I feel strong, strengthened. He has come to me and I can feel it right in my soul. The question is, does your cruel, mean, angry God answer your prayer? No. And you got the wrong one. You got the wrong one. Verse 4. All the kings of the earth shall praise thee, O Lord, when they hear the words of thy mouth. Yea, they shall sing in the ways of the Lord, for great is the glory of the Lord. David, who is the king of Israel, wants all the kings to know about Jesus. Listen to God's word, he said, and you'll see how great God really is. Do it now, he says, and then join me in singing. He said, well, that hasn't happened yet. That's true, the kings of the earth haven't joined in singing to God, but we do know that someday every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And they learn what God has to say and be inspired by his love. Verse 6, 
Though the Lord be high, yet he respect unto the lowly, but the proud he knoweth afar off. There's a certain type of a person who says, well, I kind of got my life all together. I'm doing well on my own. I got all the answers that I need to any questions that I want to ask. People like that, proud people, he says God stays away from them. God stays away from them, and they find it hard to know God. But to the meek, to the helpless, to the quiet, to the seekers, to the gentle souls, to the humble, God will draw near and he will willingly comfort them, willingly help them and support them. He draws near to humble, searching souls. But sometimes in life, trouble does come. Verse 7, though I walk in the midst of trouble, thou will revive me, thou shalt stretch forth my hand against the wrath of mine enemies, and thy right hand shall save me. I suppose... Of all the problems that there are, the main problems for most people have to do with relationships. Someone doesn't like you. Someone doesn't like your God or your decision to believe in God. And they may even be hostile. He says, God will protect you. As David wrote in another psalm, Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. As he writes here, God's right hand will protect me. And that's the hand of power. That's the hand of power. David's life from Goliath to Saul to Absalom were full of enemies. Also under God's protection, though, proof that God is real, true to those who trust in him. And finally, in verse number 8, The Lord will perfect that which concerneth me, Thy mercy, O Lord, endureth forever. Forsake not the work of thine own hands. You think your life is a random set of circumstances. Do you believe life is a haphazard group of events that we try to struggle through? Are you able to make sense of your life? David said, no, no, it's not random. Life is not disconnected events that are unrelated. He says, God will perfect the things in my life. Or that is to say, God has a plan. I'm reading from Jeremiah 29, verse 11. For I know the thoughts I think towards you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace, not of evil, to give you an expected end. Then shall you call on me, and you shall go and pray unto me, and I will hearken unto you. You shall seek me and find me, when you shall search for me with all your heart. God has a plan for your life, and it's not a haphazard one. It's a well-thought-out plan. It's a plan for good. It's a plan for you to end well. It's a plan if you cooperate with God. He says here, it'll come out perfect. <laughs> How'd you like to say that about life, huh? Coming out perfect. It's going to last forever. So David ends with a prayer. Oh God, he says, you made me. You formed me in my mother's womb. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. So here I am. You're my creator. Don't forsake 
the work of your hands. And rest assured, when God creates and finishes his creation, he will always say, behold, it is good, it is very good. Now, my friends, that's who God really is. He's not some distant force in the universe. He's not some hard, cruel dictator. Not someone to be scared of. Not someone to avoid. God is kind and good, full of truth, passing out valuable information about life and death and reasons for life and purpose and its meaning. The misconceptions and low opinions about God that people have are unworthy of Him. So let's sing with all our heart, huh? Let the music fill the air. Let our songs penetrate the darkness like David thought. Let the world know we believe in God. So praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above ye heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. Let's bow our heads for a prayer. Dear kind Heavenly Father, help us to have that energy to sing, tell the world who you are. And we pray that the truth of that will penetrate into the darkness and into the fuzzy mind and wake people up that they might know who you are. Help us to sing like we ought to. Express it. Tell people that we believe in God and that anything less than that is a foolish behavior. Help us, Lord, that we might be faithful to you. Carry your name out where it needs to go. Bless us as we do, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. In closing, I'd like you to turn your hymn book, if you will, page number 304. Standing as we sing, page number 304, standing as we sing, like a river glorious, page 304, like a river glorious.
Amen. As Levi close in a word of prayer. Dear Lord, we are thankful that we can go to you and that you are kind and loving and that you have promised to be with us through all of the hard times in our life. May we have a clear vision of who you are. May we seek you in your word to know more about you and not be afraid of you and not turn away and not turn to our own wicked ways. Help us and guide us to seek after you, we ask. Help our hearts to be stayed on you and to be focused on you. Though we have so many things happen in our life, Lord, we know that you are the one that has done these things, and there is no mistake, and you will help us through each and every day. May we learn to trust fully in you. We are thankful for this, and we ask for all these folks that you would protect them, watch over them as they go back to their homes, bring them back safe to this place. Lord, watch over them, we ask, during this upcoming week. Just put your special hand on them and bless them for having been here today. We ask for all these things in your name.